Hello and welcome to Grain Insight, a CN update on getting your grain to market. I'm Kate Fenske from CN and joining me is David Shinovic. David, between recent upgrades of grain terminals across the Vancouver waterfront, new terminal construction projects in Vancouver announced by G3 and then PH Patterson, and of course Raymont's logistics, recent announcement of the construction of a transload facility at Prince Rupert, there sure is a strong emphasis on West Coast exports. Why is that? Well, first, that's where the demand is today. You know, 60 years ago, former Soviet Union, Eastern Europe, and Europe were all major grain importers in the Atlantic. Now they're exporters. We didn't have a canola crop yet in Western Canada, and all these Pacific-friendly markets had yet to emerge. So it was all focused on trade in the Atlantic. But think of where the population growth's been. Asia, Latin America, Middle East, Africa. West Coast grain exports since 2011 are probably up at least 50%, but the export program pointed east through Thunder Bay, the St. Lawrence, and Churchill is actually flat to lower. And it's nowhere near where it was back in the 80s and the 90s. So grain companies are pouring money into upgrading existing infrastructure on the Vancouver waterfront, leveraging the attractive profit margins of recent years to fund those projects, while others are building from scratch, spending hundreds of millions of dollars. So obviously demand is a driver, but what else is fueling this boom? It all comes down to dollars and cents. And in order to have the best grain bid in the country, a grain company's transportation costs need to be as low as possible. The greater the distance a product moves to port, the higher the transportation cost. So think about a dotted line drawn maybe, I don't know, north-south in the prairies, maybe drawn through Tisdale. And that's roughly where freight to Thunder Bay and the West Coast are about equal. But for except for some commodities like Durham that are generally more friendly to shipment east, and even now, look, way more Durham ships west compared to the days of the Canadian Wheat Board. But when it comes to that dividing line that dictates profitability, draw that line somewhere between Brandon and Winnipeg. Most grain to the west of that line wants to move west, and it's wanted to move west for a long time. Think about it. The majority of soybeans, for example, are shipped all the way from eastern Manitoba to Vancouver to load on a Panamax bound for China. That product is not pointed east. And how does the east stack up against the west coast-wise? Well, look, in the west, all you have is your rail freight to port plus your export terminal elevation. But going east, once grain is on a lake or a salty, there's still a lot of distance to cover out in Thunder Bay to get out to the St. Lawrence, into a transfer elevator, and onto a boat. You know, call it maybe an extra 25 bucks a ton versus the west. Now, if the value of that grain was worth a lot more in the St. Lawrence versus the west coast, you could overcome that extra cost, but that's not often the case, especially with something like spring wheat. And yes, ocean freight costs are lower from the east versus the west to markets in the Mediterranean, but seeing as a lot of Durham has worked from Vancouver to the Mediterranean in recent years, what does that tell you? A grain company that's stuck bidding for grain using eastern supply chain costings without access to west coast terminal capacity is at a significant disadvantage compared to a grain company with west coast export capacity. Thanks again for your time, David, and thanks for listening to Grain Insight, an update from CN. Remember, so you don't miss an episode, you can listen and subscribe to CN's Grain Insight on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Thanks for listening.